Welcome to In the Black with your host, Bob Dickerson. Our program takes a look at the socioeconomic issues affecting black America. From education to news and politics to business matters, we have the stories and guests that you need to hear about. Now, here is Bob Dickerson. Hey, everybody, this is Bob Dickerson with In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network. Well, we're going to have a good show tonight. Uh, I can guarantee you that. Uh, There's a lot of things happening in this country. Uh, Boy, so many things that we can talk about. Actually, you know, an hour really just isn't long enough to talk about all the things that are happening from uh, the, the, the coronaviruses, is rampant. It's not going anywhere. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, it's not going anywhere. Wear your mask, protect yourselves, and protect me. You know, I'm a senior citizen, and so I don't need to get sick. I don't need anything to happen to me. I want to make sure that you know that you got to look out for me. Whatever you do, you got to look out for me, and that's what I want to make sure that everybody does. So look out for me if you don't look out for yourself. Hey, we got a guest tonight. Uh, Eunice Elliott is going to be on the show in just a few minutes. Really, really interested and, and anxious and just excited about having her on. And, you know, we had that hearing today, uh, the Amy Comey Barrett first day of the hearing. And what I want to know is what was this Mike Lee guy thinking about uh, getting up there with no mask? I mean, here's a person who has been tested positive for the COVID-19 virus, and he cares so little about his fellow senators and the other people in the room. That is just, it's amazing, Uh, and it's embarrassing, and it's hurtful, and above all, it's very dangerous. And so, you know, I just really don't know what to think about it when you got people exhibiting that kind of behavior. Uh, It it doesn't make any sense at all, and so, uh, so anyway, here we are, uh, 21 days from the election. I think it's 21 now, but who's counting? <laughs> yeah, no, 21 days, but who's counting until we actually participate in the, the, the most important election of all of our lives? Uh, and I just want you to keep in mind, I want all of us to go out and exercise our constitutional rights Uh, exercise our civic duty, exercise uh, the things that, in my case, that my ancestors and forefathers worked and bled and and some of them died for. Uh, Please go out and vote. Uh, Please go out and vote. The fate of this country is in your hands. It's in my hands. And so I'm just encouraging all of you to just please, please, please go out and vote Vote like your life depends on it because it actually does. It actually does. So uh, we got to talk about that. You know, I'm a Bama fan, so Bama won, roll tide. Boy, that was a tough game. I don't know how many of you are football fans from across the country. Uh, Most people are based on the ratings that football gets. And so I'm just so happy that that Alabama was able to, to win that game even though it was tough, Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin uh, did um, a well of a job in really putting a lot of pressure on Alabama. And when you score 48 points on the University of Alabama, then you have done something. And so uh, hats off to them. Glad the tie won. Big game, big test on Saturday against Georgia. A lot of stuff happening. But as I mentioned, it is my pleasure to welcome to In the Black with Bob Dickerson, Eunice Elliott. Eunice, how are you? Oh, I'm great. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll. You know, I didn't know. I was thinking about that uh, as I was driving home and after I talked to you. And I didn't know whether you were a Bama fan or whether you, you were uh, a fan of that other school. I am a Bama graduate. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Well, good. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So, so you joined. My sister is a Bama graduate and, and my daughter uh, is a Bama graduate. So, uh, so welcome to the family. How yeah. about that? Welcome to the family. Well, well, listen, I am so happy to have you on. You know, I, I just, I was thinking the first time I really 
believe I saw you was at the comedy club. Okay. Is yeah. That, would, would that be about right? That probably potentially could be very true. <laughs> that potentially could be very true. <laughs> I like that. Could that could be true. You know what? And the reason, and that still wouldn't really tell me when you first saw me because I was doing stand-up comedy before I ever was doing the news. And so some people might not know if they saw me prior to doing stand-up or prior to doing the news. So there is some overlap and maybe some confusion. But I've been doing stand-up comedy for about 11 years. You know, I, I do believe that I saw you doing stand-up before I saw you on uh, the NBC affiliate here. So, you know, as you get older, these things start to blend and merge. Right. But, but I, I do remember uh, seeing you doing stand-up, and then I turned my TV on on a morning. I'm a morning person. And lo and behold, there you are doing the news. And you went from doing traffic, I mean, to being an anchor and like that. How does that happen, Eunice? You know, I don't know how that happens, honestly. Now, I, I did go to school and I did get a degree in journalism that I am still paying for every <laughs> other month. And, um, and I initially thought I wanted to pursue journalism as a career. But once I started uh, really focusing on journalism and doing the news, I didn't want to do bad news. And so I refocused my energies towards sports. And so I started working in the media relations office for the university as a student in the athletic department. And my first job out of college was at ESPN up in Connecticut. And so my background was in broadcast, but I really didn't have any intentions of being on the air uh, I really like the writing and the behind the scenes and the producing. And I was up at ESPN working on SportsCenter for about two and a half years and got really homesick and then moved back towards the South, worked for the Tennessee Titans in media relations. Uh, and then I moved to Miami and worked for the Orange Bowl Committee. And then I moved to Atlanta and worked for Pat Dye Jr., whose dad used to coach at Auburn. He's a sports agent. And then after that, I um, started my own PR firm representing professional athletes. And then one day out of the blue, I decided to just start doing stand-up comedy. I let all my clients go and just started over, start working temp jobs. And from doing stand-up, that's how the NBC affiliate here had seen me do some things. And so they wanted to add some personality, that's what they called it, to the morning show. And I got hired on as the traffic reporter. But uh, once they kind of saw me working, I had never been on TV before at that point, daily TV, but they figured out I could read. And about a year and a half, two years later, I got promoted to anchor. So, yeah, well, it's not a traditional course. Probably not. <laughs> well, well, not only can you read, but you have this, you know, an outstanding personality. And I think that oh, thank you. really came came across and, and it comes across. Uh, it's come across every morning. I mean, just to turn the television on and to see you. I'm sure you uplifted a lot of folks' days, uh, especially since the news. Uh, and even then, it wasn't it, it wasn't always good news. And unfortunately, uh, it's it's kind of hard to turn the television on and get a lot of good news. It but, is, uh, and you know that's why I was definitely hesitant to pursue a journalism career. It was just because after I had done some internships, I didn't like putting a microphone in somebody's face once their house burned down or asking them how they felt after they left, lost a loved one. And that's why I focused on sports, but it also caused me to hesitate to accept the position of being a news anchor because as traffic reporter, I was still able to insert a lot of personality and be a, a little bit more lighthearted. And I didn't want to have to trade in what I wanted to do for the doom and gloom of actually anchoring the news. But they bring in a talent coach. And the first time he saw me anchoring the news, he looked at the tape and he said to me, he paused it right after I said, good morning. He says, okay, uh, you have a nice smile. You have a warmth about you. And then he let it play a little bit more and then he paused it. And he says, and I, don't, I don't know about this hair. I have natural hair. So to stand it up, he says, but you might, you might be popular enough. I said, yes, yes, my hair is fine. Continue. And he watched me anchor for maybe 30 seconds and he paused the tape and he says, okay, so you're not good. And he said, but I see why they want you to be good because you have something that no one can teach you. You have a warmth and a personality. I can teach you how to be a good anchor. And one of the things he did that helped me was to don't think of taking yourself out of it. You're still doing the news and you're still Eunice. And so it kind of gave me an opportunity to bring a little bit more authenticity to something that I thought I had to take myself out of. Well, see, I think you did an excellent job. Oh, and, well, thank you. And, and I loved your hair. 
I mean, I think that, uh, and you, you were maybe one of the first black women who were, you know, the, the, the current hairstyles that a lot of black women wear now. Right. And, and I'm glad that you didn't, you know, kind of, you know, <laughs> let, let the traditional television look, you know, kind of get you. Uh, I'm so happy you did that because I think it came across and I, I would just guess that a lot of young women, a young, a lot of young black women who could see you doing that, were uh, were motivated to be themselves, and and so I think you that's know, it, very. It wasn't important. calculated at all. I really appreciate that. It wasn't a calculated, well thought out plan. I had actually had a relaxer for thirty years, so I had a relaxer since I had been in second grade. But now having this new job, I was having to like put heat on my hair every day to make it look decent for TV, and so my hair just started becoming really damaged. So I thought, okay, either I want my hair to stay on my head or not. So I just cut it all off. I wore a wig for about nine months. And then I never talked to management. I never asked permission. I didn't run it by anybody. It's just one day I came and didn't put the wig on. And, um, you know, if you know any women who have gone through a natural transition, it is a lot of trial and error forever. Like as long as you are trying to learn your natural hair, you'll have good days and you'll have bad days. But to have all of that, on HDTV at 4 a.m. Uh, <laughs> was a different animal, but I'm glad I did it. I'm really glad I did it. Yeah, I'm glad you did it too. So, so I mean, I didn't know about ESPN. So you really know sports. You're not just, uh, you know, a roll tag casual fan. You know, you know the game. Yes and no. Okay, Uh-oh. so I do know the game, and I used to write and produce segments for Sports Center, and I also used to have a sports show on uh, Comcast. Sports South. Now, today, because I don't work in sports, I can tell you anything about anything that's going on as far as actual athletes or or standings or because I just don't follow it. But the actual game, yes, I can I can follow the game and, and, and tell you all about it. And it's always it was always fun being a woman that men maybe didn't realize knew the game. So by the time they would be just repeating something they heard on SportsCenter and I would then maybe try to offer an opinion and they would try to shut me down, I would say, I actually wrote what you just said. So you might want to listen to me. How about that? How about that? So, so, so journalism and now writing, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, so bring us up to date, Eunice. So you've, you've, you're not on television since April or March or April. Since March 20th was my last day. Uh, so I know I have not been on TV since then. I can, I can get you up to this point. So it was actually just about a year ago yesterday. Cause I always look at Facebook memories to kind of see what was going on in my life. And it was a year ago yesterday that I asked to be released from my three year contract. I had just signed a three year deal in January of last year. And before I signed on to become an anchor and I was a traffic reporter, I was still part-time. So I had a lot more freedom then. So I could still do the stand-up comedy and, you know, I was working at the radio station and then I was doing on-field announcing for the Birmingham Barons. And a lot of that was just the hustle to make money, but also it was all things I enjoyed. And so as I got more responsibility on the news, um, I was not allowed to do any of those other things. And so I had to stop doing stand-up comedy. I started a podcast just about my horrible dating life, and I couldn't do that. I wanted to write some books. I wasn't allowed to do that. So I just had to have a real conversation with myself and say, okay, either you're going to stay in this three-year deal, and, you know, it's a steady paycheck. People see you on TV every morning. Or you're going to figure out how to get out of this contract so you can go and just be you and figure it out every day but be able to use your voice. So as someone who writes – and someone who is a creative person, it was very stressful, not only just to talk about the worst things in the world every day, but to be on television for six hours a day and not say one word that I had written. Yeah, you and that's know, just was too much for me. I, yeah. I can imagine. So, you know, and I didn't, I really, we didn't rehearse this and I didn't know it, but as I talked to business people, entrepreneurs about good reasons to go into business, it's because you're not being fulfilled on your job. And right. and that's exactly what you just said, that you exactly. weren't being fulfilled. And so what you did was you took a risk. 
a big risk. Yes, now, of course, <laughs> now last year this time, I didn't know there was going to be a pandemic uh, kicking off on my last week. <laughs> yeah, right. But I will say, and I, and I have to remind myself of this, nothing has gone as I planned because I had planned on, you know, releasing my books and having book tours and book signings and doing the stand-up comedy and selling the books after shows. And I had all these great visions. And then I've been in my pajamas ever since. And so what it has caused me to do is that, I now have been away from that job for about seven months and I have not lost one pound to poverty. And so I said, you know, this is encouraging because if I'm able to survive for seven months with no job and uh, amidst a global, global pandemic, I'm encouraged of what could happen, you know, as the world reopens. And as you said, which will probably never happen because people won't sit down right now, but it has caused me to get really creative. It has caused me to really, um, you know, stretch the, the limits of my imagination. It's caused me to figure out a need and fill it before people realize they have it uh, because everybody's figuring it out as we go along. And so I'm trying to make sure I'm in the mix of the conversation. So um, I have two books out right now and I have another one coming out hopefully for Christmas, um, some children's books. And so I've just been staying busy. Well, we're going to talk more about your books uh, we also know that you're you're an animal lover, so I'm I sure am. we're going to talk about Sugar <laughs> and Bella when we come yeah. back. Hey, Eunice Elliott, my guest today on In the Black with Bob Dickerson on the Voice America Radio Network. Hey, stick around. We'll be back after these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more, not just in it and profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. It's time to future-proof your business. Join host Bonnie D. Graham for the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve. Presented by Deloitte, SAP solutions help you transform your business. And we'll start by going in-depth with topics and guests built around the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. Clean, intelligent, inclusive, and responsive. Move in to the next level with the Kinetic Enterprise, presented by Deloitte, live every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Tax laws are constantly changing. How can you keep up? Tune in to the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. By working together year-round, we'll help you implement proactive tax strategies to ensure you are paying the least amount of tax possible and work to increase your business cash flow. We'll help you file your business and individual tax returns accurately, safely, and properly the first time. Listen every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to In the Black with Bob Dickerson. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. That's Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. Now, back to In the Black. This is Bob Dickerson with In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network. Uh, talking to my guest, Eunice Elliott. Eunice is a, she's a phenomenon. She's a very popular person, and I've just learned so much about her. Uh, her background as a journalist, she was, she, she just brightened up uh, the NBC affiliate here for, for many years as an anchor. Um, and she's, she's left that to follow her dream. 
but Eunice, I, I gotta, you know, I gotta talk about this because, you know, I don't really have any pets and okay. it's because I'm, you know, my, my schedule is just crazy. And I don't know that the dog would be looking at me like, Hey dude, come on. <laughs> <laughs> don't you know, I live here, but, but, yeah. but, but you gotta tell me about, I found out sugar and Bella. Yes. Let's talk about them because I know we got a lot of pet owners out there in our audience. Yes, I have two dogs, Sugar and Bella. Sugar is a golden retriever. She's four years old. And Bella is a Jack Russell Terrier mix. She's a little over two years old. I never meant to have two dogs. Uh, the second dog came along. I was keeping it because someone had gotten allergic, got a puppy for their kid, and they were allergic. And I was like, well, you can bring the puppy over here. My dog would like some company. And after about 24 hours, I was like, yeah, I guess this is my dog now. <laughs> but um, Sugar and Bella, I don't have children and I'm not married. And so they're my roommates. They're my kids. They're my pets. They're kind of my, my they're the object of my true affection. So, um, but what's interesting about me sharing things on social media about Sugar and Bella, and it's what inspired my children's book series, is when you go to social media, you see so many people hate each other for so many different reasons. It can be sports affiliations or political affiliations or religion or geographic or whatever. Um, but when I would post pictures of Sugar and Bella, all these people that I would see that hated each other would then be oohing and on over the dogs. So I thought, what if I could use the dogs and use their real life stories? Because animals are so empathetic. And I feel like that's the number one problem in our world is people do not teach their children empathy. People don't exercise empathy. People don't think about how would I feel if this was me. And so animals do that. They have a natural empathetic way with each other of sharing or, you know, cuddling or and things that they enjoy. They know that animal enjoys it with them and they don't make a distinction. You know, you can see a chicken and a dog playing and they just know they're enjoying themselves. So I decided to use the dogs as the main characters in this series, Sugar Loves Bella Books, to teach empathy and inclusion and unconditional love to young people with the hopes that the parents that buy it will read it and possibly get the lesson too. So the first book is just about how Sugar was by herself and she loved to run and play and take naps, but she was lonely. And mommy brought home a friend, but the friend looked so different. How would they ever get along? But the friend loved to run and play and take naps. And now they love to run and play and take naps together. They love each other so much. They never think about how they're different. But the next book is going to talk about how different they are and how it helps them in accomplishing their goals because they have different strengths. And that's what makes our differences great. I think so many times in this world, people try to act like we aren't different, but I'm saying we are different. It doesn't make one better or less than, but let's embrace the differences to really put the puzzle together. We're all here for a reason and have something unique we can bring to the table. So Sugar and Bella are, as I mentioned, my, my roommates, they're also my coworkers. They're my muses. Um, and um, it's been a lot of fun to share them with, with a lot of folks. Well, well, that is great. And I think um, I did know that, but to have a, a golden retriever, which is a pretty big dog and a, mm -hmm. and a Jack Russell terrier, which is not, not tiny. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a tiny dog, but it is a pretty big difference for them to get along and be different and feed off each other's strengths. I think that is a, a great lesson uh, that all of us can have. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. Now, now let's talk about your books because you, you're, you've done two books now mm -hmm. and you're working on book number three, two, two children's books and an adult book. Yes. Make sure I, I'm getting it right. So yeah, so the first children's book, Sugar Loves Bella book, is already out. That's what came out on March 20th. And then I released, and I hope to have the second book in that series out for Christmas. But the second book I've already released came out in July. It's called 10 Things Your Mama Never Told You, But Mine <laughs> Did, Unconventional Wisdom to Navigate a World That Cares Nothing About You or Your Feelings. Now we and that's that. all on the cover of the book because some people won't read. <laughs> and so if you, if you only read the cover, I want you to have an understanding of what the book is about because in my lifetime and in my career and in my friendships and relationships, people always ask me, why am I this way? Like, why do I think this way? Why do I have this um, kind of confidence about myself? Why do I quit jobs with no real plans? <laughs> you know, like, where did I get this from? 
and it's honestly how I was raised. And so uh, the 10 things each chapter is something my mom would say to me as I was growing up. And it's a very short, easy read because I just wanted people to not be intimidated to read a book because uh, we're so out of that space of reading books now, you know. But to give you an example, chapter one is you are so very special, but remember you ain't special. <laughs> um, because my mom told us, I have three siblings that, she told us there was nobody like us in the entire world. And that's what made us so valuable and so unique. But she also let us know no one cares about that. You still have to work hard. You still have to be a good person. And you're going to still have some, some failures that you're going to have to just try again. And so that gives you a confidence when there's nothing I could compare myself to ever. Like, so I'm, I'm naturally the best, <laughs> like without even trying that hard, I can only be better than who I was yesterday. And, I tend to think, you know, I did the best I could. So I'm not a competitive person in any, any spirit, but there's a chapter about never dimming your light. My mom pointed out to me that when I started wanting friends and peer groups in high school, I started being less of me just so I can kind of blend in and not stand out so much. And so many of us have done that either in our childhood or still doing it today. Uh, Cause we don't want people to think we think we cute, you know, <laughs> um, there's a chapter about you can't tell people your dreams in color I grew up in Bessemer, Alabama, single mom, and I would tell people I wanted to be on TV and I was going to do the news. That's what I wanted to do in high school. And, you know, that didn't seem feasible for my friends. Like, you know, and I would come home and tell my mom, you know, I told them what I was going to do, what I was going to be. And they laughed at me. And my mom said, you can't tell people your dreams in color. You just have to live them. And so I stopped talking to people about my plans to this day. By the time I put a book out or have a something going on, people are like, oh, I didn't know you were doing that. I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> I just needed to do it. Because unfortunately, so many people will not pursue their passions or their dreams because they shared it with the wrong person. And that wrong person might be someone they really respect and admire and cherish, and that might be valid or not. But that one person can tell you that you shouldn't try it or that you shouldn't do it. And so I do dream coaching as well because I know how it is to, to pursue a dream. And one of the first things that I know someone has already been beaten down is when I say, so what's your dream? They say, well, you're going to think it's crazy or this sounds silly. <laughs> yeah. And I always say, stop it right there. That is not your information. It's your dream. But because someone else has called it silly or crazy, you're trying to protect yourself from sharing it and acting like, oh, you're going to think it's crazy. I think no. it's crazy that you think I think it's crazy, <laughs> you know. The more people you ask, the more confused you get. And, mm, and I think yes. you're right. You just got to go for yourself. Just go. Just so, got to figure it out as you go along. And, and the problem is people are conditioned. We're conditioned in this country to get permission and, and get validation from all these places outside of ourselves. Um, so whether it's our parents or our siblings or our best friends or a teacher or a pastor or society at large, we aren't um, really encouraged to trust what we know. And so I believe we all know what we were born to do. We were born fully loaded and prepackaged just as we were supposed to be, but then we were dumbed down to ourselves. And so it takes a minute sometimes to remember who you are and what you want to do. And that voice in your head, we refer to it as my right mind, my first mind, something in my mind told me, something in the back of my mind. That's that intuition that we are not conditioned or, or trained to trust. And so I call my intuition my personal GPS. And I could take everybody else's suggestions on how to get to somewhere. My spirit is always rerouting because I didn't actually follow my path that I was programmed to do. So that was part of me leaving my job as a television news anchor. And even though now it's so filled with so much uncertainty, I don't feel like I'm rerouting on my actual purpose. Well, Eunice, I want you, I want to make sure that our audience knows how to get you, knows how to reach you. Uh, I know you have a podcast and mm -hmm. you're, you're big on social media. Uh, your books are, are for sale, I suppose. Yes. And, yes. Uh, and, and we want people to be able to get those. So, so tell us, how do we get your books and how do folks follow you if they want someone to be an MC or do comedy or do coaching? Because you, you're doing a lot. You're it's very easy. EuniceElliott.com. I'm actually on all social media platforms under my full government name, Eunice Elliott. Uh, I, it was hard growing up as a Eunice because it's an old fashioned name named after my grandma. But at this point, 
Like I'm one of the last active duty Unices, so I come up pretty high in Google searches. But I'm Eunice Elliott, all social media. My website is EuniceElliott.com, where you can find all of my books and services, and you can send me a note or email. And, um, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find, I guess. Well, I am so happy that I found you and happy that we were able to get you on. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You're the man. You're the man with the plan, always doing big things. So I am especially honored to be here. I am honored. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, Eunice Elliott, she wears many hats. She's an author. She's a coach. She's a comedian. Uh, She's she's well-versed. She's an, and did I say author already? Yes, I did. A podcast host, a speaker. Uh, she is a great individual and somebody that you want to get to know. And so I recommend that you look her up. Uh, we're going to have her website up on our site uh, starting tomorrow. So make sure that you get that uh, caller. Uh, you will not regret it. Eunice, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much, Bob. I really appreciate it. Hey, we'll be back with more in the black after these important messages. Hey, this is Bob Dickerson back on In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network. I am so happy and so thankful that we got an opportunity to talk to Eunice Elliott, a great young woman who is doing fantastic things. Uh, Be sure to check out my website for her website information, EuniceElliott.com. Again, uh, get her books, uh, reach out to her. She will be available to speak. Uh, to be a mistress of ceremonies, to, uh, to, to do whatever you need to have done in terms of media and, 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 and by all means, be sure to read her books as they come out and make sure your kids read them too. I think that, you know, those books, especially about her, her dogs would be absolutely wonderful for, uh, for some children. So, uh, you know, it's hard not to talk about what's happening in this country. Uh, It's hard not to talk about the fact that the commander in chief uh, who was hospitalized, as we all know, and we've talked about for the virus, the virus that has now killed over 215,000 people, uh, a man who was hospitalized with the virus, uh, checks himself out of the hospital. You know, normally, and I mentioned this last week, I believe, when a person who is not well insists on getting out of the hospital, typically what happens is there is a psychiatric exam. And I'm not sure if that happened, uh, but maybe it should have because when you're sick enough to go to the hospital with the COVID-19, a virus that has proved to be deadly, uh, again, a million people worldwide have died. Over a million people have died as a result of this virus and you check yourself out of the hospital, then that's foolish. But it's beyond foolish when you expose your Secret Service personnel, when you expose the folks who work for you in the White House, when you expose your family, when you expose other people. It is beyond foolish, it's just mean when you encourage people to take chances with their lives, uh, and that's what you're doing, when you have a, 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 a rally, as Trump did Monday in, in, in Florida, uh, you know, have a rally. And, uh, you know, a week after having COVID, or maybe still having COVID, you have a rally, and people are at the rally with no mask. Uh, people are at the rally without being socially distanced. And, and, and you say, after 215,000 people have died because you get world-class health care, and we really don't know exactly how well you are, but you're well enough to have a rally. But you say to your supporters what is tantamount to Ah, I beat this. It's nothing to worry about. We've turned the corner. It's going away. Well, we said it was going away in February. And you said it was going away in March. And you said it is what it is in June. And you catch it in October, September, October. And it isn't going anywhere unless we make it go somewhere. It isn't going anywhere unless we're smart 
and we do the right things as a country, as individuals, as folks who are in the public, because this is a public health issue. It is not just a private issue, and it's not something that's so small and minuscule. 215,000 people have died as a result of this virus. The flu doesn't kill that many people, brothers and sisters. And guess what? The flu hadn't even started this year. The flu hadn't started this year. And so I am just imploring the folks who support this person, uh, the folks who want him in office. I'm imploring you to stand up and say something. And I know you can't say anything to him, but say something to each other. Uh, say something to the folks that you influence. Say something to your children. Uh, say something to your coworkers. Don't, don't allow politics and your support for a politician to cloud your judgment and cloud your vision. Don't allow your, don't allow politics and your support for a politician to cause you to make somebody else sick. Don't allow politics or your support for a politician to help prolong this pandemic in the United States, which is not gonna help anybody. It's gonna to continue to hurt small businesses. It's gonna to continue to hurt the economy. It's gonna to continue to hurt the people that we care about. And we ought to care about everybody. And so let's get out of this notion that because the politician we favor is taking this stand that we have to take it. No, you don't have to take it. Let's, let's, let's get away from this, I'm gonna follow you because I follow the Republicans. And I, and I wish the Republicans would do the same thing. I wish more Republicans would say, yes, I'm a Republican, and I prefer that we have a Republican in office, but I still cannot condone foolishness. I can't feed into foolishness, as one of my friends was known to say. And I think that anything other than being very concerned, anything other than being really frightened and letting my concern and my being frightened, you know, that should shape my actions. You know, it should shape my actions. You know, I was reading uh, about the 20-year-old football player who was at the California University, uh, well, actually in, in Pennsylvania, the, the California University of Pennsylvania, how about that? And he died from COVID. He's 20 years old, football player. He died. And, you know, that message that Trump sent, and this is according to his mother, when, when he dies, the next thing they hear our president say is, don't let coronavirus dominate your life. This man just died, a 20-year-old. His mother is grieving. He's 20 years old. He dies. His mother turns on the television to see the president waving from the balcony of the White House. Uh, taking off the mask in sort of defiance and then making the comment, don't let the coronavirus dominate your life. Well, it just killed this young man. And every day, every day, several hundred to over a thousand of our neighbors, our friends are dying. Several hundred to over a thousand mothers and sisters and fathers and brothers and nephews and nieces and uncles and aunts and grandparents are dying. And it could have been prevented, but we're killing more people when we don't do the right thing. We're killing more people when we overlook it. And unfortunately, we're killing more people when we follow foolish behavior. Well, it uh, looks like we're going to have another Supreme Court justice. It um, seems like 
the Republicans are going to get their way. It doesn't look like enough of the Republican senators are going to defect and, uh, and, and vote against uh, Amy Comey Barrett. Uh, the, question, the only question is, will they delay it enough till her confirmation doesn't come until after the election? But even then, during the lame duck session, um, and even if uh, the Democrats take over the Senate, uh, you best believe that uh, they're going to vote her in. And so the question gets to be, and, and there are two really important questions. And I do, I'm not a constitutional lawyer or anybody, I, you know, but I, I do understand that the president has the ability and the Senate has the ability to confirm this person based on the fact that the Republicans have the numbers. And, uh, and that's, that, if that's all you care about are the numbers, then I guess you're going to be okay with this. But there was a custom that was set about four years ago. Uh, and that custom made sense then, but I guess it doesn't make sense now. That custom, according to Lindsey Graham, who said he wouldn't do what he's doing, was that if it was in the middle of an election, he didn't say in an election, he said if the primaries had started, which we are a long way from the primaries, that we wouldn't hold these hearings and we would let the people speak about who the president would be before we'd accept the nomination of a Supreme Court justice. And so, you know, if you were just looking at the spirit of collaboration and cooperation, the spirit that is supposed to lead and guide our actions as Americans, the spirit that is supposed to, to, to inform our political leaders, then this is totally against the spirit of what ought to be happening. Those senators watch the polls, and some of them are in races, you know, and, and fights for their political lives too, but they watch the polls and they realize that the president is under the gun. He's, he's behind in the polls. Uh, he's likely to lose. Now, that doesn't mean that he will lose because he was likely to lose four years ago and he, he won, but he's also, whether you like it or not, he's likely to lose. And so the whole idea of putting Miss Barrett up, confirming her, and then having her take a seat on the Supreme Court is a little bit concerning. Add into that concern, and we'll talk about this some more after the break, but adding to that concern is the fact that we know that this election is going to be contested by Donald Trump, if no one else. The fact that Donald Trump has named her to the Supreme Court, and even as he named her, mentioned that he wanted someone there in case the case of the election comes before the court, should she recuse herself from any matters that relate to the election. We'll talk more about that when we come back. This is Bob Dickerson within the Black. Hey, before the break, uh, we talked about uh, should Amy Comey Barrett recuse herself if the case of this election comes before the Supreme Court. I happen to think that she could or should, and I'm just wondering if some of the other justices who are there to do just that. Uh, it's supposed to be about right, wrong, and justice. Now, um, John Roberts said something to Trump uh, when he stood up for uh, the Affordable Care Act in the past, and when Trump said, call people Obama uh, justices and Obama judges and Bush judges and so forth, that once you get to be a judge, you're just that. You're supposed to be a judge, someone who is like an umpire. 
who calls balls and strikes and calls it down the middle according to the rules. Now, we know that there is no separating politics from any aspect of American life. And that goes from local elections and, and local issues all the way up to Congress, the White House, and the Supreme Court. There's no way that we can separate politics, but we ought to try. We ought to try. And we, the people, ought to feel that a justice on the Supreme Court, or any judge for that matter, does not bring their personal bias, and God knows their party affiliation to the job with them. That's just, you know, that's ludicrous. But how many of us out here feel that way? How many of us feel that the justices, the judges, the Supreme Court judges, don't go along with the party that was in power when they got selected. Rarely do they ever not do that. John Roberts is to be commended for being the one who has done it in recent memory. He's the one who has done it in recent memory. None of the other justices on either side, on None of the other justices, to my knowledge, has gone against the grain as it relates to progressive versus conservative. And, and we're not using that word liberal anymore, but liberal versus conservative, Democrat versus Republican. And that's sad to say that about America. I made this comment about a decade ago, maybe even longer. Because I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh and Glenn Beck, and I think it's important to listen to people that you disagree with. Some of you probably disagree with me, and I hope you're listening. But I made this comment a decade ago or longer, and, and I think I'm still correct when I said that this hyper-partisanship that partisanship, that partisan politics was more dangerous to America than terrorism. And maybe I said it at 9-11, so almost 20 years ago. But great societies as this is, I think it still is, so, but societies die from within. When you, if you take poison, it doesn't just affect your skin. So if you, if, you, if you ingest poison, it kills your inside. It, it, it gets your organs. Now, if you touch poison, it may burn you. You touch fire, it may burn you. But when you ingest poison, then it kills the inner workings. Well, this partisanship that we're dealing with now, it's poisonous. You know, it's like injecting poison. And so if we continue to feed on it, feed on it, that means we ingest it. That means we try to digest it. If we continue to feed on this partisanship, this hyper-partisanship, where if you are a Republican, then you're going to go along with whatever the Republicans say and do without question. And I hate to say this to my Republican friends, but you all are more loyal to your f colleagues and party people than the Democrats are. Democrats, they argue about stuff. You know, they don't all agree. They don't all agree. Well, Bernie is not a Democrat, but, you know, he's in the mix. So, AOC and Bernie don't necessarily agree with Biden. I mean, they come together and they can come up with a platform that serves people and hopefully gets them elected. And that's good because that's what you should do. We shouldn't have to all agree. We never should have to all agree.
But what we have to do is we have to compromise and we have to have people who are in the middle who are deciding because something is right to them, wrong to them, and makes sense, not because of who brought the idea. So it shouldn't have the, 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 the asset test for an idea or a position shouldn't be where it came from. It ought to be what it is, what it does, how it affects me, how it affects the people I care about, how it affects America. And we are so far away from that. We've got folks who won't speak out against white supremacy because they're afraid it will cost them votes. So if you won't speak out against white supremacy, how can you say that you're not a white supremacist? If you won't speak out against it, then we have to, we, we just have to figure out that, or just figure that this is how you feel if you won't speak out against it. When you won't speak out against a president from your party that is putting lives in danger because of his irresponsible behavior with the COVID-19 virus, then maybe you don't care about people. Maybe you don't care about another two or 300,000 people dying as long as you get your way and you keep your man in office. You know, and I don't want to get religious, and I won't, but I will say this. God don't like ugly America. So I just hope that all of us, especially believers, and, and truth be told, everybody's a believer when they're in a foxhole. Even the atheist is a believer in a foxhole. But I want all of us who are believers to search ourselves deep inside and ask for direction, ask for guidance, and ask God to give us the right spirit, the right mind, and the courage to make the right decision. Hey, I've enjoyed doing the show. Check me out, bobdickerson.com. You can also check out my Facebook Live. If you're my Facebook friend, follow me at B. Dickerson Jr. on Twitter. We'll see you again next week. This is Bob Dickerson with In the Black. Thank you for tuning in. Please join host Bob Dickerson for another edition of In the Black next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a terrific week.